Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. This past Wednesday night, I was able to uh, go over to Emmanuel Missionary Baptist and taught on soul winning there. be going back this Wednesday again, teaching a soul winning uh, seminar there. So if you'd pray for that, we'd appreciate that. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read verses 1 through 3. Why don't you read them with me aloud? Because uh, there's going to be a quiz. All right, there's going to be a quiz. Hebrews 11. Let's read verse number 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Faith. Uh, hopefully you've been picking up on this, this series, kind of what hit me the first time I talked through that, and as I'm going back to the second time, uh, we don't understand faith as much as we think we do. And the more we get into the scriptures, the more we see the examples in scriptures, uh, I don't know about you, but for me it's encouraging because people I would have not lifted up as great heroes of faith, God said, no, in their life there are some great things of faith. That ought to encourage you and I. Uh, we sometimes get the idea these Bible characters are super Christians. You know, they're super saints, and, and they never had a weakness, and they never had a down day. Well, that's not true at all. And, and I'm thankful that the Scriptures show us just the reality of their lives and the reality of their faith. Romans 1.17 gives us the principle, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. God's not asking us to just to set out on a, on a path and, and take one step of faith and it'll all be clear. He said, no, just from faith to faith. If you have enough faith for today, then have enough faith for tomorrow. Amen. Aren't you glad salvation settled with one step of faith? Hallelujah for that. But the practical things of the Christian life, it is literally from faith to faith. And uh, I'm looking forward to when we get to... Um, uh, the study of David. We'll talk a little bit about him. If ever there was a life that was from faith to faith, it was David. Amen. Uh, look there in verse number uh, 30, where are we at? 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. And we've read through the last, latter part of the chapter, I think the last lesson. And uh, we'll get into uh, this second lesson on the life of Jephthah. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Thank you for these people that you put in the scriptures as examples of faith. May we learn today from this life of Jephthah. May we understand the, 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 the path that you put him on and the, the very unusual steps of faith he was required to take. Thank you for his faithfulness. May we learn so that we this week might be faithful in our steps of faith with you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, as we looked at last week, the life of Jephthah, it's an unusual one. Uh, he's, one he's, he's known for one thing, and that's the vow. We're going to get to that. Uh, and that. In fact, that'll be the last part of the lesson. We have several things to get to before that. Um, we saw that in verse, uh, let's go to Judges chapter 11. I should have had you put a marker there. Judges 11. Brother Duke was mentioning the higher powers. As he was talking about that, I kept thinking of what I heard Lester Roloff say. How many of you knew who Lester Roloff was? 
uh, you know, had the homes there in, in Texas for, for uh, people that nobody else cared about. And uh, when the, the government tried to get him to, to go by their rule book to run his homes, uh, and he said, I already have a rule book, you know. And uh, somebody said to him, aren't you supposed to be subject to the higher powers? He said, it's not the higher powers I'm worried about. It's these lower powers I have a problem with. It's like, amen. But uh, anyway, Judges chapter 11, uh, look, if you will, at verse number uh, 32. I'm sorry, verse number um, What's verse 1? We'll do verse 1, then jump to 32. Now, Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor. And he was the son of an harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. Uh, so we see that he, he was a mighty man. He was a Gileadite. Uh, we see a little bit of his background. We'll review that in a moment. But down to verse number 32, it says, So Jephthah passed over into the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hand. And he, he smote, verse 33, smote them from Ayr uh, until thou comest to Mineth, even twenty cities unto the plain of the vineyards, and a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Israel were sub, uh, children of Ammon, excuse me, were subdued before the children of Ammon. He did deliver Israel from the Ammonites. Uh, God used him in a great way. There's several things just by review. We'll go through these quickly. Uh, but uh, verse number one, just some things about him. He had no heritage. Uh, he was the son of an harlot. He didn't have a whole family history he could brag about. The situation from, from his, where he came from wasn't anything that he could say, this is why God used me. Aren't you glad God doesn't worry about your past? You come to him, you get saved. Now that's a new beginning, and he can use you no matter what pedigree you have or don't have. We talked about that last week. <coughs> The second thing we saw about him, that he was given no respect. Verse 2, if you look, look there in Judges 2. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah, and said to him, Thou shalt not inherit our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. So he had no respect even from his family. Uh, his dad, of course, had gone into a heart, and that's why he, uh, he was born. And then his wife bore other sons, and they didn't want anything to do with him. He was an outcast, if you will. Uh, he had no inheritance. Uh, we said that in the last part of verse 2, you'll, you'll not inherit your father's house. Um, there was nothing about him that pictured success. But aren't you glad God doesn't look things the way we do? Amen. Hallelujah for that. Uh, we saw in verse number 3, he was outcast. He was sent out away from them. But look at verse number 3. We find this character trait about Jephthah. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob, and there were gathered vain men to Jephthah, and he and went out with him. Uh, we talked about this last week. He was a natural leader. Men just flocked to him. Much like David, uh, the people that flocked to him, that he was just given this spiritual gift of leadership. We've all met people like that, that they just walk into a room and they take over. You know what I'm talking about? And not that they were given a position, it's just how God made them. That was Jephthah. He was a leader. Uh, and uh, in verse number four, we see that Israel was in trouble. It came to pass the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And so they had, uh, they had this, <coughs> this war going on. They were being troubled. And look at verse number five. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob, 
And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Do you not hate me? Did not ye hate me and expel me out of my father's house? Why are you come unto me now when you're in distress? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon, and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Israel needed a leader, and they knew where to go. Because they had watched the life of Jephthah, even though they had thrust him out, they had rejected him, yet they had seen the touch of God on him. I, my dear pastor friend, Doug Fisher in San Diego, where I, I served for eight years, uh, I talked to him one day about how he hires staff. And he said, Brother Doug, I don't like to hire from outside of our church. He said, very rarely will I hire somebody that's not a member of our church to be on pastoral staff. He said, I like to hire from within. Because I like to watch to see who God puts his hand on. And I want to see the blessing of God on them. He said, then we'll put them on staff. He said, normally, a year after I hire them, they're not doing what I hired them to do. Because I didn't hire them for a position. I hired them for the touch of God. We'll figure out what they're supposed to do. I love that attitude. Amen. Because he said, I want to see not only that the, the, the leader... Uh, that, ha- that he has the heart of the people, but that the people have his heart. And, and much was, was that way with Jephthah. Everybody knew there's a leader. And they went to him, and I love this about him. Look at verse number seven, where he says, And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are ye come t- unto me now when you're in distress? He didn't jump at every opportunity presented to him. Here they were offering him, you be our captain. People that were looking for position would have said, okay, I'll do it. He said, no, 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 wait a minute. Why are you asking me? You didn't want me. You wanted nothing to do with me. Now you want me to be the leader? And and so he didn't jump at every opportunity. In our Christian lives, we've got to be careful with that. Even in your secular jobs, just because a job is offered to you doesn't mean it is of God. Not every opportunity is the will of God. I mean, I've watched men in the ministry that have made a move, and it was the wrong one. But it looked, okay, they were ladder climbing. You know, they were in this ministry. I got to go to a bigger ministry, and they found out when they got to that ministry, I'd have much rather had that one. All right, make sure it's of God. And he didn't jump at the, the, the opportunity, because sometimes when people come to you with a good speech, they get it all figured out, there's a hidden agenda. And so he's asking them, and this is where he had, he had some discernment. He asked them to clarify his, their intentions. Verse 7, the end of the, end of the verse, Why are you come unto me now that you're in distress? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, verse 8, Therefore we will turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon, and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, if ye bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? He was making sure everybody's on the same page. I like that about him. Now, we've talked a lot about his background, but how are any of those things faith? They're not. It's just his character. It's who he is. But verse number 9, look at it there again. 
in, in Judges 11, 9. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to, deli- uh, to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? Look at verse 23. So now the Lord God of Israel hath disposed the Amorites from before his children Israel, and shouldst thou possess it? I, I would, verse 24. Wilt thou not possess that which she must thy God giveth thee to possess? So whomsoever the Lord our God shall drive out before us, them will we possess. Here's the thought. In verse 9 we see that Jephthah knew if he was going to be the leader and victory was going to come, it wasn't because Jephthah was a good leader. He knew it was not because people were naturally drawn to him. We, we rest too much on our natural abilities, even our own spiritual gifts. There is a difference between having a spiritual gift and being spiritual. Every one of us in this room have spiritual gifts. But there are multitudes of believers who use the spiritual gift for their own gain. How many singers do you find in secular music? I'm talking rock and roll singers, country singers. They began singing in church. It's where Elvis started. And later on in his life, he told a Baptist preacher, he said, I made the wrong choice as a young man. I should have stayed at church singing. So do you think he was saved? I think he was. He gave testimony. They got saved as a young man. How many of us, we have a gift, we have an ability, but we use that for our own gain rather than for the will of God? Jephthah understood. Yes, I, I understand that people are drawn to me. I understand I can be a leader. But if I do this, it will not be because of me that we have victory. It will be because of God. You and I have got to understand, if anything good happens in our life, it's not because of us. It's in spite of us. Uh, keep your place there in Judges. But if you will go to Exodus chapter 17. This is one of my favorite chapters, favorite stories in the Scriptures. I'll give you a little background. We will not talk in great detail, but I just want to show a point. Verse number 8, Exodus 17, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out, and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. We know the story. God sends uh, Moses, and I want you to stand up here on top of the hill and, and, and hold the rod of God up. He said, I want... I want Joshua, the leader of the army, to go down in the valley and fight with Amalek. And as long as Moses held up his hands, Israel had victory. The Bible says his hands were weary. And so Aaron and Hur sat him down on a rock. They got one on either side and held up his arms. Now all that was going on. Down in the valley, here's what was happening. Sometimes for Joshua, the battle went well. 
Other times it did not go well. Joshua didn't know why. Finally, they had victory. I love what God does in verse number 14. Look at it there. Exodus 17, 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. Write what? What happened in verse 13? And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people at the edge of the sword. Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Behold, uh, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The battle was over and God said, Moses, get out a book and write down what I did on the mountain. But don't just write it down. Then rehearse it. Read that in the ears of Joshua. So why is that important? Joshua was the next leader. He needed to know the reason he had victory in the valley against Amalek was not because he was a good leader, but because of what was going on with God on the mountain. You and I have got to understand, if we're going to be people of faith, we're going to have to understand that anything that happens in our life that's supernatural, that has, uh, has results for God, is because of God's touch, not because of us. Jephthah was greatly used of God. He delivered the Israelites, but he wanted them to know, it won't be me, it will be God. Look at verse number 12 of Judges 11, if you will. Judges 11 and verse number 12. And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, What hast thou to do with me that thou art come down to fight against, uh, uh, to come against me to fight in my land? I love this about him. Once he knew what God wanted him to do, he did it. He sends a messenger, he picked a fight. With the, with the king. It's like, what are you doing coming down here to fight with me? Uh, he acted upon it. I love what David uh, said to Solomon in 1 Chronicles twenty two sixteen. He said, of gold and silver and brass, and of the iron, there's no number. He's talking about all the things he provided for the building of the temple. He said, arise therefore and be doing, and the Lord be with thee. What is he saying? Just do whatever God told you to do. Act upon it. How many of us know things God has told us to do? He showed us steps of faith, but we're still thinking about it. Once God's spoken, you don't need to think about it. And once he's spoken, you don't even need to pray about it again. Just do it. Uh, Take your Bibles, keep your place in Judges. We'll come right back to it. But go over to the book of Acts, chapter number 4. Brother Duke mentioned Acts 4 a little bit ago, and Uh, Just to give you the setting, Acts 3 is when Peter and John healed the lame man and he'd been in front of the the temple gate. You know, he was was there begging every day. They came by and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he leaping up stood, it says in verse number 8 of chapter 3. Chapter 4, they get arrested for that. They were asked by (coughs) what name have you you done this, by what power? And, And of course, they respond to that. Look at beginning in verse number 5. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, by what name have you done this? 
Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be, uh, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set of, not of you builders. Well, you talk about pointed preaching. Uh, which, he, which has become the head of the corner, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. Every time I read this, the thought comes to my mind, do not ask a Baptist preacher a pointed question if you do not want a pointed answer. By what name? By what power? By the name of Jesus. You remember the one you crucified, the one God raised from the dead. No wonder they were mad. Look at verse number 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. He says in verse number 29, after they were beaten again, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. Probably my favorite thing about Jephthah was, once he knew what God said, he was bold in his action. What this generation needs to see is bold Christians of faith. Once you know what God has said to do, go do it. This week I was watching some things on YouTube, I'm sorry, on, on Facebook, Facebook Live. I have uh, a dear preacher friend of mine, Jason Russell, he's a missionary there. And I watched him this week on several of the things that he was doing. It's, he's, uh, he, he was for many years out in the complete, in the bush where you can't get there by car. He went there this week. He went by boat for two hours, then nine hours walking along what they call a road, but none of us would ever confuse that for being a road, to get to the place where he ministered for about eight years, where he had started a, a, a church and a, a, a Bible school and trained people, and one of the graduates now runs that church and runs the school, and seven of the other men he trained are running churches out in the, in the bush, and they come back there to teach in the school. He went to go check up on it. It took him 11 hours to get there. Where he went, nobody's ever been. There's no government there. There are no roads there. There's no electricity there. Why did he go? Because God said so. And, and now they're going up. Uh, they, they purchased a boat when I was there last year. They, they got the boat while I was there. And they're now taking that from the island where he's at over across to the mainland and up in the rivers. And this week he ordained a preacher and put him in a, a new church that they had just built this week. They built the building. They started the church a while ago. And then he's going, continuing up the river for several more hours, stopping a village and village, planting new churches. What is that? That's boldness. God spoke. They acted. What is it God has spoken to you about you've not acted on yet? If you're going to be a, a person of faith, the way Jephthah was, once you know God's spoken and you know his touch is on it, just go do it. That's exactly what Jephthah did. He was bold. Look at verse number 12 back there in Judges 11. And verse, uh, yeah, Judges 11, 12. And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of Ammon, saying, What hast thou to do, uh, do with me that thou art come down to fight 
uh, come down against me to fight in my land. And the king of the children of Ammon answered unto the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt from, from Arnon even unto Jabbok and unto Jordan, now therefore restore those lands again peaceably. The next thing I see about his faith, he faced opposition uh, and accusations. Now, these are part of the lands God gave to Israel. And the Ammonites, the king of the Ammonites, say, I want you to give it back. He demanded to surrender. You know, anytime you set up to do something for God, there will be people against you. And you've got to decide which side are you on. Are you going to be with God, who has already promised victory, or are you going to just bow down to whoever is fighting against you? We saw it in Acts 4. The, Peter and John, they were attacked. They, they were beaten. They were put in jail. Why? For their faith. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they stood when nobody else stood. The king gave them a second chance to bow down. And when they didn't, they got thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, we look at that as, as difficulty. I look at it as opportunity. They got to see Jesus like no one else has. They walked around with him in the fire, amen? Daniel went into the lion's den. Why? Because of his faith. We're going to have opposition. Go back there in verse, uh, chapter 11, look at verse number 14. And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Ammon and said unto him, Thus saith Jephthah, Israel took not away the land of Moab, nor the land of the children of Ammon. But when Israel came up from Egypt and walked through the wilderness unto the Red Sea and came to Kadesh, then Israel set masters unto the king of Edom, saying, Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. But the king of Edom would not hearken thereunto. And in like manner they sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not consent. And Israel abode in Kadesh. Then they went along through the wilderness and encompassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab, and it came to the east side of the land of Moab and pitched on the other side of Arnon, but came not within the border of Moab, for Arnon was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers unto Sion, the king of the Amorites and the king of Heshbon. And Israel said unto him, Let us pass, we pray thee, through thy land into my, my place. But Sihon trusted not Israel to pass through his coast. But Sihon gathered all his people together and pitched in Jabez and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people into the hand of, the, of Israel, and they smote them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites and the inhabitants of the country, and they possessed all the coast of the Amorites from Arnon even unto Jabak, and from the wilderness even unto Jordan. I see the next thing about him. He knew the history of God's working. He said, no, no, no. We did not take that land. We just asked for permission to cross it. You wouldn't give it. You picked a fight. God settled it. How many times you get in discussion with someone, they don't even understand what God has done. If you're going to have faith, you need to know what God did in the past so you can have faith for the future. That's why God gives us all these stories. We see how faithful he's been. The more you know him and what he's done, the more you will trust him in the future. He knew what God had done. When I read that, that little passage here we just read in chapter 11, verses 14 to 22, I'm reminded of Stephen's message uh, in, in Acts when he was stoned to death, when Israel was fighting against Jesus being the Messiah. And so he just went through and gave them a history lesson of the nation of Israel. 
that pointed all to Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we need to know the scriptures. We need to know what God has done for us. Go quickly to John 20. I just want, to, want you to look at this verse real quickly, John 20, then we'll get to the next thought. So how many more are there? You don't want to know. No, we're, we're, we're doing well on time. We're actually doing really well on time. You've heard that before, haven't you? John 20. And we've read this one before, but it fits here. Of course, you've got the day of the resurrection. That's what that is. That's the first day of the week. Jesus rose from the dead. Verse number 19, you have Jesus appearing to the disciples in the upper room on the evening of the resurrection. So it's Sunday night, and Jesus shows up at church, and Thomas missed a blessing because he missed church on Sunday night. You ought to be in church on Sunday night. Amen. Good reason to be there. <clears throat> but look at verse number 24. Now, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, the disciples were with him. And Thomas was, uh, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, Behold my hands, reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. How do you like being called out by name in church? Oh, Thomas, come here for a minute. Hello. Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. He didn't put his finger in the print of the nails. He didn't put his hand in the place where they thrust in the spear. He just recognized who he was standing before. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. We've not seen him. We've not seen the print of the nails, but we believe. Verse 30 and 31 are amazing verses. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. You ever wonder what the other miracles were? God didn't write it all down. Look at the next verse. But these are written. What's he talking about? I believe he's specifically talking about the Gospel of John. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. God is telling us, I wrote you the book of John, the Gospel of John, so you would know who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, that he did all these things. He is, he is God in the flesh. I wrote these so you might believe. See, the Word of God brings faith. So then, uh, Romans 10, 17, so then, uh, um, my mind just went blank. Good night, I've quoted that verse a million times. Hang on. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You and I will not have faith unless we're in this book, seeing what God's done in the past, seeing that He's faithful, he is, He's consistent, He does what He says. The more we know God, the more we can believe Him. The reason Jephthah had faith he knew what God had done in the past. Now we'll look to the one you all been waiting on. Go to verse, uh, Judges 11 and verse number 30. We're going to talk about his vow. So we get enough time for that? We do. If you listen quickly. So how do we do that? I'm not sure. Judges 11 and verse number 30. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, then it shall be that that whatsoever cometh forth out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, 
I, it shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Aori until thou comest to Mineth, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards, and the great slaughter. And thus did the children of Ammon, uh, thus were the children of Ammon subdued before the children of Israel. And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and, hast, uh, and thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. She said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which that which has proceeded out of thy mouth, for as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even the children of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains, and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. And he said, Go. And he sent her away for two months, and she went with her companions, and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months, that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed. And she knew no man, and it was as it was a custom in Israel. That the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of, Je- of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. We see he makes a vow. In fact, in verse number 35, he says, I have opened my mouth unto the Lord and I cannot go back. He makes a vow. He says, I'm going to go to the battle. When I come back, if God has given victory like he's promised, first thing comes out the door, I'm given to God as a sacrifice. He comes home. I don't know if he was expecting, you know, one of his animals to come out. I don't know what he was expecting. But he certainly was not expecting his daughter. Now, when you read this, there's, there's, there's several views of that. Did he sacrifice her as a burnt offering? There's some that think that, she, that he did. Uh, and this, of course, would, would violate the commands of God. I mean, the children of Israel over and over again defeated enemies that that was their, their religion to offer their children as a sacrifice. So what does the Bible say? Well, look at verse number 36. And he said, uh, she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth, for as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance of thee for thine enemies, even children of Ammon. And she said unto her, uh, her father, Let this, be do- this thing be done to me. Let me alone two months that I may go up and down the mountains and bewail my virginity with my fellows. He lets her do that. Verse number 39, it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned to her father who did according to his vow which he had vowed and she knew no man as was the custom in Israel. And the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days a year. The Bible doesn't say she was offered as a burnt sacrifice. It mentions multiple times. She said, let me go and, and, and bewail the fact that I will always be a virgin. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have children. And he lets her do that. She goes with her, her companions. She, she mourns over that, knowing that the rest of her life, she won't ever be able to be with a man. She won't be able to have children. And the children of Israel started a, 
a, a lament yearly for four days a year where they lamented what? That she was a perpetual virgin. That's what I think the vow was. And then he redeemed her like Leviticus 27 talks about. And the Lord said unto Moses, Leviticus 27, 1, saying, uh, speaking to the children of Israel and saying to them, when a man shall make a singular vow, the person shall be for the Lord by thy estimation. And the estimation shall be of the male from 20 years old, even unto 60 years old. Even thy estimation shall be 50 shekels of silver, and after the shekel of the sanctuary. And if it be a female, then thy estimation shall be 30 shekels. And if it be from 5 years old, even unto 20, 20 years old, then thy estimation shall be of the male 20 shekels, and for a female 10 shekels. And it continues on. What's he talking about? You made a vow to redeem that. It's going to cost you an offering to the house of God. According to Leviticus, I think that those are the two things that happened. I think he did the vow. I think he allowed her to be a perpetual virgin. And then I believe he, according to Leviticus, would give the, the, the estimation, the payment that was due. Regardless of how you look at it, Jephthah kept his vow. What he promised to God, he did. He believed that God was going to keep his promise, so he acted as the leader to go fight against uh, the enemy and be able to come back and proclaim victory. He acted in faith and fought the battle. He believed God's promise. He believed God's promise enough. He said, God, I'm going to even make a vow, a promise to you, because I know you keep your promises, I'm going to keep mine. By the way, let me just say this. If you make a vow to God, you better keep it. You better keep it. Um, and he, in fact, it says in Ecclesiastes 5, verses 4 and 5, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Jephthah was an amazing man. He, he had a background that would not cause us to think, Oh, man, he's, he's the guy that's going to be the one God blesses. But he knew that victory would come from God. He was bold. Even though he faced opposition and accusations, he knew what God had done in the past, was able to relate to that, to, to people, and, and tell them, this is what God has done before, I trust him now. He had the power of God as he went about doing all of these things. Uh, in fact, it says in Judges eleven twenty nine. we actually skipped this one, for then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Everything he did, he did, did in God's power. And because of that, in Hebrews 11, says God, God says, let me tell you about a little man of faith, a man that you don't know much about, man Jephthah, one of my heroes. Let's be more like Jephthah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these wonderful stories. Thank you for this example of a man that outward appearances from his background didn't look like he could be used of you, but he was. Thank you for his faithfulness, his love for you, and his belief in what you said. Help us to be believers that trust your word and act boldly. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.